Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our series on Christ our Healer. And we've already come to number seven here. You know, I feel like we've just started this series, but we're actually a week into the series. I'm not necessarily sure how far we're going to go or how long we're going to be going into the series, but uh, it, we, we barely scratched the surface. That's the reality of it. And, and something that I'm realizing is, man, there is a lot going on here that we really need to be diving into and that I want to dive into this. And I really hope that it has been a series that has been helpful for you. You know, the reality of it is, is that we do live in a sin-cursed world, that there is sickness, that there is death, that there is disease, that there is illness. So you're going to be facing these kinds of things, and you need to be spiritually equipped to know, how do I face sickness? How do I face disease? How do I face illness? And of course, we look at this idea, and we have to start from that foundation that God created the world. He didn't create sickness, disease, or illness. He made all things, and it was good. Sickness, disease, and illness entered into the world through sin. And of course, that sin curse that we have is here in the world, and it is something that we deal with. And then there are specific sins that bring about sometimes specific diseases and specific illnesses and specific sicknesses that come into our life, hopefully not, but that, that is one thing that definitely can happen and at times does happen. And so the question is, is how do we deal with them? Well, today we're going to be looking at one of those things that is really, really practical and incredibly important to understand and to add as a discipline. And so I'm really excited to look at that because so far we've really gone over a, a few practical things, but for the most part, we've really been looking at foundational issues. Yesterday was a, a practical one uh, where we went, we we looked at that idea of you have to be attached to the Word of God, and that is so vital, that is so important to understand that. But today we're going to be looking at the prayer of faith, and so we're going to read James chapter 1, and it says this in James chapter 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner than has the sun risen with a burning heat, than it withers the grass. Its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man will also fade in his pursuits." Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. 
but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, this chapter of Scripture, of course, it's it's perhaps most well-known for this idea of verse 22, where it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, this is a, an important idea as to something that we're going to be touching on here in just a moment. Uh, and so I do just want you to remember that, that this is something that is very important. Your actions are very important. In fact, your actions prove what part of your doctrinal statement you actually believe. That's that's something that I've said for, for years, and it's something that's very true. If you really want to know what you believe, don't look at your written doctrine, although that's important. Look at your life, because your life is going to tell you what you believe. And when it comes to this idea of healing, one tool that you need in your tool shed, in your toolbox, one thing that you absolutely need and it is vital to have is the prayer of faith. It's the prayer of faith. You, you know, it's important that you pray when you have sickness or illness or a disease that comes into your life, but that prayer doesn't mean anything if it's not a prayer of faith. See, in verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, of course, the context here specifically is if somebody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God gives wisdom. Now, we also know that God isn't just the God of wisdom, but he is the God of healing, Jehovah Rapha. We've already looked at that concept. We've already looked at that idea. And so when it comes to this, we see that God, he is the giver of good gifts. That's also something that's talked about here in this passage of Scripture. And as he's the giver of good gifts, and healing is undoubtedly a good gift— we see that we ought to pray and ask God for that, but you need to ask in faith. And so the question is, is what is faith? What is biblical faith? Now, if you have listened to the Hebrews 11 series uh, that, that we looked at, Faith Effects, um, and if you haven't listened to that, I'd encourage you to go check out that series. Uh, it was, 
I don't remember how long it was, about a month long, maybe something like that. But but it was it's a really good series, and and you'll you'll understand if you have listened to it, you understand what faith is. I trust that you understand that that faith is a title or a deed. It, it, it is like getting a car title in that sense of it doesn't mean that you have the car in your hands, but when you own that title, when you're given that title, you now have the ownership of that car, even if you don't have it in your sight right now. It is yours. But then it's also has evidences. Real faith has real evidences. These are kind of the two ideas, the two facets of faith. One is this legal idea that God gives a promise and you're the owner of that promise, even if you do not see that promise right now. It's one of those things if you go and you say, look, I know I'm in ownership of this because God gave it to me. God wrote this check. It doesn't bounce. Then on the other side of it, it's the the physical side where then it impacts your actions. There's real evidence as you're going to live your life in accordance to that promise, to already receiving that promise, even though you might not have it right now. Now, this is this, this idea right here, but let him ask in faith. That's the faith that it's talking about, believing God, looking at the promise of healing and saying, look, I'm going to walk inside the promise of healing. I'm going to go and to accept that promise right now in my life. I'm going to take that and I'm going to then apply it to my life and I'm going to walk inside of that promise. Now, this is incredibly important because if you're praying without faith, if you're not believing it, well, what happens? Well, God goes and he says, if you doubt, you're like a double-minded man that is tossed to and fro. You're unstable in all your ways. And he says, don't suppose that that man will receive anything from the Lord. See, this is something that's interesting because there, there are a lot of churches today that teach and they believe that healing doesn't happen. That, that, that that's gone. God doesn't do that today, that there's no gift of healing today, that, that all of that is just crazy, kooky stuff is what they'll go and say. But then if you go to their prayer meeting, all of a sudden you find out that what are they praying for? Well, Aunt Susie threw her hip out. Let's pray for Aunt Susie. Well, uh, Uncle George just got diagnosed with prostate cancer. Okay, let's pray for Uncle George. Oh, well, my dog lost his leg. Well, I don't know why that has anything to do with it, but that's just kind of how the prayer requests go. In, in any way, you, you go through these things, their prayer requests are filled and filled and filled and filled with people who are sick, and they're saying, we need to pray for their healing. And yet, they don't believe in healing. Isn't that silly? Isn't that silly? Well, I can tell you that's why sometimes those churches don't see healing. It's because right here, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. It's double-minded. It's double-minded. It's saying, Lord, please bring healing, but I don't believe you can heal. Lord, please do that, but I don't believe it. Please do that. Nope, don't believe it. But I'm still going to ask for it because that's the nice thing to do. But you know, 
we're not called to simply do the nice thing. We're called to do the biblical thing. And the biblical thing is to actually believe that God can heal and to walk inside of that promise. To walk inside of that promise. To actually go and to activate that faith. And this is this is something that is so important here, the prayer of faith. Now, we're going to talk more specifically in the book of James uh, on healing and on prayer and effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man specifically. It availeth much. But, but interestingly here, this is really the foundation of it. This is really the foundation. You need to go and to pray in such a way that you have faith, that you have believing. When Jesus goes and he heals people, specifically, I think of a, a lame person, what does he go and he say? He says, he says, pick up your bed and walk. He goes and he tells them to do that. There, there's authority. There's an expectation that's there. So if you are struggling with healing, with sickness today, if you're struggling with disease, if you're struggling with illness in your life, and you're going and you're saying, look, I need to pray to the Lord. Well, you're right. You do need to pray to the Lord. But if you're not willing to go and to pick up your bed and walk, if you're not willing to go and to do that, you're going to have problems. You're going to have lots of problems because all of a sudden here, your prayer is going to become double-minded. And the interesting thing is, is that it doesn't just say that your prayer becomes double-minded, but then this tends to impact the rest of your life. Because it says in verse 8, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. See, if you start praying without faith, without actually believing that God can do it. And this is, this is why some of the, the most precious prayers that, that we ever see and sometimes the most effective prayers that we ever see are not from somebody who's been saved for 70 years, but somebody who's been saved for seven minutes and they're a child who's only seven years old and they go out there and they pray in such a way that they have complete faith, believing that God will do it and God does because they don't have any reason to doubt. Now, you don't have any reason to doubt either, but you become cynical in life. You've started to think too much of yourself and too little of God, but a seven-year-old doesn't do that. They think greatly of God, and they simply believe God, and they walk in faith. And that's just some of the best things ever to see that. But if you start having a doubting prayer, I want you to understand it's not just going to impact by the fact of you're, you're, you're not going to receive what you want from God, what you're asking for. Don't, don't suppose that, that, that he will receive anything from the Lord, is what it says in verse 7. But then it says you become a double-minded man and you become unstable in all of your ways. It brings instability to your life. That's what it does. It brings instability to your life because that doubt grows. You know, just as faith grows, and it grows, and you get more faith and more faith and more faith as you exercise it, so doubt is the same way. Faith is a muscle, and it grows in strength, but doubt is a muscle, and it shrinks in, in, in atrophy. It really does. You must have faith and exercise that way, because if not, the doubt 
will go and start impacting other areas of your life. And pretty soon you have no expectation of God to do anything in your life. And the reality of it is, is that God is not a God who is apathetic. God is not a God who is distant. He is a God who is near. He is a God who is active and he wants to do great things in your life. He's called you. That's the whole point of Shouts of Grace. He has called you. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. He has good works for you, and he wants you to walk in them, but you must overcome them. You must complete them with a shout of grace. That's what he told Zerubbabel. That's what he's telling you. And that shout of grace might start with a prayer of faith towards your sickness, towards your illness, towards your disease, whatever you're struggling with today. Pray in faith to God, because he is the giver of all good gifts. And of course, that means that it needs to impact not just your belief in your mind, but also your actions. Walk in it, be a doer of the word, of course, be a doer of the word of God, but also then walk inside of that faith prayer that you're making. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it, the song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in faith is all